It's great to see you. Yeah, it's great to see you. Uh, for those of you that have been praying for my daughter, I just want to tell you from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. My daughter is doing much better. Uh, she's getting better. Thank you. Um, also, uh, today is my daughter Mia's fourth birthday, so we're excited about that. And uh, she's here, so you'll be able to, afterwards you'll be able to tell her. And we actually bought her, I bought her this, uh, we bought her this princess button. It's like that you wear that says like, you know, um, it's a princess birthday or whatever. And Carrie, my wife, said to her, said, you know, Mia, you could wear that to church. And uh, she said, no, I, I, don't, I don't want to. And uh, we said, well, well, don't you want everyone to know that it's your birthday? And she says, oh, everyone will know. And uh, she says, well, how's that? She says, because I know Poppy and he'll tell everyone. And uh, so that's, anyway, that's, uh, that's her. She's way smarter than she should be. Um, but uh, for our purposes this morning, I do want to tell you a story about a guy that I'm sure you've never heard of. Uh, his name is Larry Gartrell. And uh, Larry, you, the reason you don't know him is because Larry Gartrell was my 12th grade economics teacher. And, uh, you know, and, and here's the thing. Um, he's also the only person I know that's actually banned from Disney World. Um, it's true. Uh, he went, he was one of the chaperones on grad night one year and, uh, like, uh, the senior class before mine. And, um, he got high with some students and, uh, fell asleep in the lawn in front of the haunted mansion. Uh, true story. Apparently I learned Disney frowns on that. Uh, so that's just, see these things that you learn. Uh, well, anyway, when Mr. Gartrell wasn't high, he was trying to teach us about economics. And uh, he um, was trying to teach us about the stock market uh, during this part of our, of our semester in economics. And what he did was is that he, um, he decided that the best way to teach us about the stock market would be to get us to invest in the stock market. So what he did was he gave us all 200 imaginary dollars to invest in the stock market. And then um, it was a, like a two-month, uh, this is about a month or two-month project that he gave us. And um, the, the, what happened was every dollar that we earned above the initial $200 was a point towards our final grade. Um, every dollar that we lost in the stock market was a point deducted from our final grade. So everyone had great motivation. I had huge motivation because I was failing his class. And I thought, I need to find the next Google if I'm going to, um, you know, pass his class at all. And so I, I got real serious about it. So we all, had, we, everybody had to pair up. I had a good friend in the class named Rob. And uh, Rob and I decided to, um, to, uh, to, 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 be, to, be, um, to be partners in this, uh, in this project. And, uh, and you know, it's the weirdest thing happened to me. Uh, and not just to me, but to everyone in class and everyone that was taking Mr. Gartrell's uh, economics class that entire semester. And it was something that I didn't really understand until I became a Christian a couple of years later of what was happening to me or what was happening in my, in my entire class. But the weird thing that happened to us is that we started reading the paper every day. Um, all of us, and it didn't matter, you know, who you were, boy, girl, whatever, what, you know, group or clique you belonged to in school, everyone who was in Mr. Gartrell's class, on the way to school, you stopped and you bought a newspaper and you brought it in, or you got somebody else's newspaper, um, but you were serious about what was happening in the stock market. And, uh, and it, it, was, it really was the oddest thing that happened because it happened to all of us. So imagine an entire class, you walking in and everybody's just reading the newspaper before class starts. 
and then he's going to go through his lesson and then everybody's going to start looking at what stocks they're investing in and how it did, if it went up or down or whatever. We got obsessed um, with where our money was going. And in fact, that's all we talked about. If you saw somebody that was in the class, you'd say, hey, how'd yours do today? Oh, here's how mine did today. And, uh, and something happened in my life, something happened in our lives when we started investing our money somewhere. Our heart, our interests, our energy began to follow. And the weird thing is, is that we didn't have to actually even tell it to go there. It just did by nature because that's what your heart does. It just naturally goes to where it is that you put your treasure. And that's in fact what Jesus said. It's in your notes, if you're taking notes in the outlines that we gave you. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And that is a universal truth. It applies to everyone. It actually applies even if you're a Christian or not. It applies if you're a man or a woman, if you're old or young. It doesn't matter what you are, what stage of life you are. There's a connection between our money and our heart that we have to understand if we want to live the blessed life. Now, one of the things that we've been doing in this series, The Blessed Life, and I hope you've enjoyed it so far. I hope you enjoyed Dr. Barnes last week and Pastor John uh, the, the, the week before. But one of the things that we've been trying to do is go beyond just the mechanics of giving um, and, and really drill down to more of the heart of giving. Um, to, and what I want to do again this morning is um, really, because what, what we could talk about is just like the how, of, of giving, and, and we've done that in the past, but I want to do something different. And we've tried to do something different in this series, and that is really get to the heart and talk about the why. Uh, because in the Bible, there's over 2,000 verses, and think about that, 2,000 verses that deal with the subject of money. Uh, that's more verses that deal with money than deal with the subject of heaven. More verses than deal with the subject of hell. More verses than deal with the subject of prayer or marriage. In fact, it's more verses that deal with heaven, hell, prayer, or marriage combined. So God really knows something, that there's something important about this issue that if we're really going to live the blessed life, we've got to understand it. And so what I want to do is take you to a passage that maybe you've read before, maybe you've heard before, but I doubt you've looked at it this way before, and that's really what I want to talk about. So if you have your Bible, would you open it with me to the book of Malachi chapter 3? Because what I want to talk about is, and what, what God is going to deal with us in this passage, is really talk to us about the, the heart that we have towards money. And not only talk about that, but when God talks to us about money, He's talking to us, and the reason why He thinks it's so important, it has nothing to do with um, the, the, the giving so much as it has to do with the fact that money is an indicator of what we worship. What we're going to discover, what we need to learn, is that the best indicator of what we value, the best indicator of what we worship, the best indicator of what is important to us isn't so much found in our words and what we give lip service to, it's found in what we spend our money on. You know why? Because Jesus said it, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And if you want to live the blessed life, what it takes, we're going to discuss this one issue, we're going to take this one small slice of our whole financial world, and we're going to talk about this one thing because I really believe that it is the factor to living a blessed life or living a cursed one. We're going to start in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 8. It says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. Yet you say, In what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. And you are cursed with a curse, 
for you have robbed me even this whole nation. Now, if you pause there and give me your attention, one of the things that I want to do is three things about unlocking the blessed life, or what we're calling the treasure map to the blessed life is this. Number one, is stop robbing God by not tithing. That's the first thing. Stop robbing God by not tithing. Because here's the thing that happens is that so many of us, we want God to bless us. Everybody wants God to bless them. One of the areas in which we want God to bless us is financially. But what's happening to this group is that God says in in Malachi, to the group that Malachi was speaking to, He says that they have robbed Him, and because they've robbed God, they're actually under a curse. So God can't actually bless them if, if their money is under a curse. But see, there's something that happens when you actually do decide to give God the tithe, and that is that He does for you what you and I could never do for ourselves. And in fact, throughout this whole series, that's what we've been defining as the blessed life. And that is when God does for us that which we could never do for ourselves. I experienced this uh, so many times, but one of the first times I experienced this in a huge way was when I was in college. Um, I um, still owed some for my my tuition and I wasn't going to be able to graduate until... Um, I had paid off my tuition. And so uh, I still had over $2,000 in tuition that I owed, which doesn't seem like a lot now, but back then seemed like all the money in the world. Um, and so I, I kind of had a payment plan going, but it wasn't going to be enough. And it was probably going to be about a year after I gradu- finished my classes to where I was going to pay it off and then be able to get my degree. And so I was kind of like thinking that I was going to be like in limbo for a year just paying off my degree before I could actually get my, my diploma. And um, one day, out of the blue, I get this phone call from the dean of the school. And the dean of the school says to me, uh, Bob, I, I would love it if you could come by um, whenever you get a chance. Now, the, the guy who ran the school was usually not in the habit of calling me uh, in the middle of the day. And uh, so I canceled whatever it is I had going on, and I went straight to, the, um, I w- I went straight to, the, to, to his office. And, uh, and he, gave, he printed out a sheet, which I had seen the sheet before. It was my ledger sheet of how much I owed uh, for school. And so, um, I, so I went, and, and, but this ledger sheet looked a little different because it had my balance, what I had paid, my balance, what I had paid, this whole thing. But then I, the bottom numbers, one I had never seen before, was zero. And I thought, now how's that? And, and, and he says, I just want to show, this, show you this. And, and I said, now... And I was really shocked. And I'm like, I don't understand why this says zero. I do have a balance. And he says, well, somebody came in and wanted to take care of it. So I just want to tell you that you're, you're zeroed out. You're all set to graduate as long as you don't fail any of your classes, which I'm hoping doesn't happen because this is a theology degree that you're getting and you want to be a pastor. So that would not be good for you. Um, and so uh, that was and I'm telling you that I was blown away to this day. I mean, whatever, 14 years later, 15 years later, I still have no idea who it was. That, um, that, 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 that paid that for me. And, um, and, and the reason I tell you this is that when you honor God, you experience the blessed life. Um, it was something that I could never do for myself. And as I mentioned, that's what we've, been, um, what we've been talking about is what the blessed life is. And when I had been a Christian for about a year, I heard a message on tithing somewhat to what you're going to hear today. And, um, and I didn't even know what tithing was. So those of you who say, that, you hear that term, what does that even mean? And sometimes people have different definitions of what that means. Sometimes you say, oh, if I, you give anything to God, that's, that's a tithe. Um, tithing is this in, 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 the, in the Bible. A tithe means 10%. So what the Bible talks about tithing is, is that when you and I um, get paid for whatever it is that we do for work, that we get, take the first 10% and we give it back to God. Now notice I didn't say give it to God. 
I said we give it back to God. Because the Bible says that the tithe actually belongs to Him. So when I give the tithe, I'm actually giving it back to Him. I'm returning it to Him because He's the one um, who actually put breath in my lungs, gave us skills for whatever it is that we're able to do, and so gave us the opportunities that we have to be able uh, to work. And so now we have the opportunity when we, we get paid to show that God is first. And so we give Him the tithe, and then you know what God does? God now is able to take the 90% and make it last longer than the 100% could ever go. The people that Malachi is speaking to are not experiencing that. Because the Bible says, it says that uh, God says, you've robbed me. And he says, how have you robbed me? In tithes and offerings. Now, that word um, robbed is, is such an odd term to use in this context. And the reason is it's only used one other time in the Hebrew Scriptures, in the Old Testament, um, because the word that you've robbed me means this. It means to pillage, to plunder, or to defraud. That's what it means in Hebrew. In fact, it, it, it's, this word robbed is, is a, it's a violent word um, that, that means, uh, speaks of oppressing another person. Now, the reason that, that makes it so odd is that God says that's what the people were doing to him. And that's why we'd say it's odd because, like, how could someone do that to God? And he says the reason, the way you're doing that to me is that by, by not tithing. They were stealing that which was God's and then they were consuming it. And so they weren't honoring God and then they were experiencing the curse of not giving. And not experiencing the blessed life that they had hoped for. I think the best um, illustration of this that I could give you is what's found in the book of Haggai chapter 1. Where this is what the people were experiencing because they had refused to give. Listen to what it says in your notes. It says, is it right for you to be living in fancy houses while the temple is still in ruins? This is what the Lord All-Powerful says. Think about what you have done. You've planted much, but you harvest little. You eat, but you do not become full. You drink, but you're still thirsty. You put on clothes, but you're not warm enough. You earn money, but then you lose it all as if you put it in a purse that's full of holes. Now listen, you, you, this, you know what happens um, when, when someone doesn't tithe? Listen, and let me say it and then it's going to come off as a little hard and then I'm going to explain it. But here's what happens. Listen, God makes life hard. For the person who doesn't tithe. Now you say, well, how is that? Now, is that because God is spiteful and He's going to get us back for not giving? No, that's not what it is. Listen, it's because God loves us and He's trying to draw us back. He's not trying to get you back. He's trying to draw you back. You know why? Because He knows that money is what gets our attention. You see, I've said it in the past and I'll say it to you again, and that is that tithing is not God's way of raising cash. You know, God's not tight. God's not like, you know, over on his credit cards or anything. Heaven's not in foreclosure. All right. Tithing is not God's way of raising cash. It's God's way of raising his kids. It's how he teaches us to put him first. In fact, that's what Deuteronomy chapter 14 says in your notes. It says the purpose of tithing is to teach you to put God first in your life. Because where we put our money is the best indicator of where our heart is. And this issue of tithing is the, is the reason why people don't experience the blessed life. They ask God to bless their finances, but here's what happens. Here's what God says according to these verses. I can't bless you financially because your money is cursed. And, 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 because, and so they, they keep the tithe, they rob God, and, and then... Um, God says, I'm sorry, your money is cursed. And that's why, listen, over the years I've experienced this and, and watched this happen with those who tithe and those who don't, is that the tithers have this testimony. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. God does for me things that I could never possibly do for myself. And the non-tithers have, have, this, um, have this testimony no matter how much I have. 
it never seems to be enough. And see, that's why when someone says to me, and it'll happen, you know, in, some, in a message like this, or I'll get an email and say, Pastor Rob, you don't understand, I can't tithe. And this is generally my response. Say, my friend, you can't afford not to. Because when you give the tithe to God, when you return the tithe to Him, you allow God to bless the 90% that's left in a way that the 100% could never go. It'll go farther than the 100% could ever go. It'll last longer than the 100% could ever go. So the way, how do we unlock the blessed life? We stop robbing God by not tithing. Here's the second thing that we do. Here's verse 10. It says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that there will be not be room enough to receive it. Now here's the second thing. Start honoring God by giving cheerfully. Not just by giving, but by giving cheerfully. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. You see, because there's something amazing that happens when, and it just unlocks this ability of, of experiencing the blessed life when I do start honoring Him, when we start honoring Him with our giving. Let me explain it. Um, because, by the way, when you don't give, you still don't get to keep it. Um, it's just, if, I, if we refuse, if we say, I'm going to keep the time, you don't get to keep it. Because what happens is, is that, as I said, things get hard because God's trying to get our attention. And so it just goes to other things, but you don't actually get to keep it. Let me illustrate it this way. When uh, my wife was in college in Tallahassee, we were both in college. I was in school down here. She was in school in Tallahassee. I went to visit her one weekend. And uh, before leaving town, I stopped at my job and I picked up my paycheck. Um, I was I was in school, so I was you know, I had made 530 bucks over the course of two weeks, which I know is tons of money. I was rolling in, in dough back then. Uh, and so it was 530 bucks, my tithe. But it was weird because I, it was actually $530 even, which is kind of a weird number to get paid. Um, but, I, um, so, but so my tithe was actually $53 even. Uh, and so, and, and you know, I was in college. I wasn't making tons of money or anything, but so, but I needed money for this trip because I had a couple expenses as well before I left town. And I remember praying this prayer. I mean, I, I was, I was, uh, doing my, doing my, uh, my AA at the time. And, and, uh, and I remember, um, say, I remember having this, I had just become a Christian like a year, year and a half before something, maybe less than two years before. And I remember this prayer that I prayed to God. I actually was praying this prayer as I was driving out of town and I prayed, um, God, I know that $53 is nothing to you. Because you own the whole universe. So, can we make a deal? Um, you overlook the 53 bucks. Because what's 53 bucks between friends? And um, because for me, 53 bucks is like two tanks of gas. Now, you can know how long ago this is. Because now it's like four gallons. But back then, you could fill it up a couple times. Um, and, uh, and, so I, and so that was my prayer. I'm like, God, I'm glad we've really had this talk. That um, now that, you know, I'm going to keep the $53 and, and we're just going to let this one go and I'll just catch you next time. And, uh, and that was kind of basically the prayer that I, that I prayed. I probably made it sound a little more spiritual, but that was kind of basically the thing I did. And um, so I get, I get to Tallahassee and um, the first day I get there, my car dies. Now, my car had just gotten out of the shop. And, you know, you ever have this, like Carrie and I were driving, we were going to dinner. And um, she was in the, in the passenger seat and I'm driving. And you ever have this moment in your life when you're driving and your car starts like clunking out and then you're like, oh, please let me get to the gas station. And you just like, kind of glide into the gas station 
And it's like this great feeling. It's like a horrible feeling that something's happening, but a great feeling like I don't have to push. And uh, like that's what was happening. And I learned later, I think God did that more for Carrie than for me. Um, because uh, she was tithing and I kept 53 bucks. And, um, and, and so, so what happens is this, is that um, I, I have the, I'm like, man, I just got this car fixed, so I have the guy at the, at the they have, this is a gas station, like a mechanic shop. So the mechanic comes out, he takes a look, and he puts the thing up to it, and whatever those things are, they put up to cars to see what's wrong with it. Um, and he says, well, the problem here, your alternator, the problem is your battery's dead. And I'm like, man, I just replaced like half of this car. I, I guess I forgot to replace the battery too. So, um, so I say, okay. So I, I borrow a wrench from the guy. I take the battery off. He says, well, there's, there's actually right next door, there's like a discount auto place. So I get the battery. I take it over there. And then you know how when you buy a battery, there's, um, they give you like a discount, whatever it is, for the old battery and whatever, when that old battery goes to like battery heaven, wherever that is. So they, they, I get the old battery, I put that on the counter, and then I get the new battery, and I get it there, and then there's some kind of discount or something or sale on the one battery, and then I get a certain amount off. And he says, wow, this is weird. And I said, how much is it? He says, it's actually $53 even. <laughs> True story, you can ask my wife. Uh, and I was like, what? And I'm telling you, I was like, Lord, I will let your people go. You know, I mean, it's like I felt like Pharaoh, you know, and uh, and it was the weirdest thing. And, and, and so this is what I tell you, like if you hold the tithe, you still don't get to keep it. Your car breaks down, your battery goes dead, all kinds of crazy things happen to you. Why? And let me tell you something. And you say, well, why would God do that to you? Because that was the last time. I ever had a conversation like that. I ever even thought about keeping the tithe because I thought I want to be blessed. I don't want to be cursed. And when breaking down all the time, that's no good. And, uh, and, and I'm telling you, God can't bless us until we bring the tithe to the storehouse, the church. But when we do, listen, he then is able to then open the windows of heaven and bless us in such a way that we don't even have the ability to contain it. You see... Um, and you know, the funny thing is this, is that like I look back all these years later and like uh, the wife that my car, the, the, the car, the, the car that my wife drives now, um, it's like a really nice car. I mean, we bought it used and all that. And I mean, but some of us here are like, wow, that's a nice car. I mean, I paid less for that car than like I paid for the Honda that I used to have. Um, and it was like, well, how'd that happen? Well, God did this and then this happened and I met a guy and I went to this place. And it was like this crazy thing that, that goes on. But it's just what happens. Um, that, that God just now opens the windows of heaven and is able to bless us in such a way. Why? Because we're, we're able to receive it because we've made ourselves available to bless life because we didn't withhold, we didn't withhold the tithe and keep the tithe. And now, by keeping the 10%, the whole hundred is cursed. You see, um, Paul would say it this way. It's in your notes. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided to give, and not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Listen, I've, I've maybe shared this with you before in the, in the past, but you know what the thing is about sowing and reaping? You never actually reap what you sow. You always reap more than you sow, right? Because nobody puts four seeds in the ground and gets four of whatever it is that they that, that they planted. No, instead you put seed in the ground and you, there's always much more than what you planted. That's why in the book of Hosea, chapter 8, there's this interesting phrase, when the people were doing evil, it says that they sow to the wind, and what do they reap? The wind? No, it says they sow to the wind and they reap 
the whirlwind. Why? Because we always reap more than we sow. That way in the negative, but the same thing is true in the positive. When we sow into God's kingdom, when we give God that which is His and honor Him with our finances, God will honor us and bless us far beyond what we're able to do in our own power. And now let me just say this, and I know some of you, this is like your first time here. The friend who brought you is like, oh no, this is like the worst week ever. Because you're gonna, they're gonna think this is like one of those churches, and, and it's not. Because I think it's important for me to tell you this. I'm not talking about like a get rich quick thing. I'm not telling you, you give God a thousand dollars, He's gonna give you a hundred thousand dollars by this time next week. You know, I'm not talking about that. And by the way, I'll tell you this. Anybody who does tell you that is lying to you. And, and you say, oh no, because I watch this guy on television and he says that. Well, let me tell you something. That guy is lying to you. Um, and that guy is using God's word and manipulating it for his own purposes. So I'm, I, I tell you all of that to say I'm not talking about um, a get rich quick thing. What I am saying is this, is that if you honor God with what he's given to you and, and you give cheerfully to him, not because, oh, I've got to or, oh, man, I have to, but because God, Jesus saved you because we were headed to an eternity without him and he died for us. And He rose again and He changed your life. And we owe everything to Him. And if God were to ask everything of us, the only natural response would be to say, okay, because we owe Him everything. And if that's the case, when we give willingly and cheerfully, then He's able to bless us beyond what we could possibly imagine. And you know what the amazing thing is? This is how you know you're a cheerful giver. Um, it's one of the ways you can know, and that is that when you write your check every week or every other week or every month to the church, you get happy. I mean, that's, when I write the check to Calvary, when I look at my bank statement and I see how much we've sent in the direction of ministry, I'm filled with joy because I know that what I'm giving has eternal implications. I do not get warm fuzzies when I see how much I've sent to FPL. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, wow, water and sewer. Look how much I sent them. So cool. You know, I don't get that. I certainly don't get excited when I see about how much I sent the government. Uh, right? I, I'm not excited about that. But you know, why? Because there's no eternal value. But there's no life change taking place. But you know what? Maybe some of you aren't aware of this, but over the last 18 months, two years, um, here at Calvary, over 1,000 people have made a decision to follow Jesus. And I'm not talking about people who've like recommitted their lives. I'm talking about people who are like hellbound, uh, didn't care about God, you know, whatever. I'm living life my own way. Some series of circumstances brought them here, and they heard the gospel and they responded. And now, where it was, they were headed for an eternity separated from God. Now they're headed to an eternity with Him. They're following Jesus and walking with Him. You know something that if, if you're if you're someone who gives here. You, you and I share in that reward together. All of us who give here, we're, we're part of that. And in, in, in what, in, in what happened? Why? Because the money that we give here pays for rent to happen and for you know, screens and printing and all kinds of stuff to take place um, so that people can, can hear God's Word and be taught and grow and be discipled and, and all of that takes place. And, and listen, so not only are we blessed now when we give, we have the assurance and the hope that we're going to be blessed eternally for what we've given as well. And that's the part that's so amazing to me. And sometimes we might think, well, I'm not really into rewards. I'll just be happy. You know, if I get to, when I get to heaven, you know, I'll just be happy to be there. But I don't, you know, I don't need to give to get the rewards. You know, well, we say that now because we're not there. But see, there's something different that happens when you get there. Now, let me explain it this way. 
um, the one and only professional football game I've ever gone to. All right? I like football. I watch it on TV because I like the seats better in my living room. Um, but I, I, um, the one and only football game I've ever been to was 1992. I went to the divisional playoff between uh, divisional playoff the um, it was the uh, AFC East divisional playoff game between the uh, or AFC divisional playoff game between the Dolphins and the Chargers. And you're like, yeah, 1992 is about the last time they were in the playoffs. Um, now, sorry, 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 sorry. Uh, I couldn't. I, sometimes I just can't help myself. Um, but Chad Henney is the future of the Dolphins. Anyway, uh, FC, now, now, okay. So here's what happens. Uh, God bless them, but it ain't going to happen. Uh, okay, now, uh, so here's the thing. So I'm, I'm outside, right? I get to Joe Robbie Stadium, because that's what it was called back then, a million years ago. And, um, and, there's, and now the sky was a little dark, I'll admit, and the forecast was that it was going to rain. But um, I thought, you know, I mean, you know, I'm like 19 years old at the time, and I thought, who, you know, it's not going to rain. And if it does rain, you know, it's a little drizzle. Who cares? And they were selling ponchos outside for like five bucks, and I'm like, look at this price gouging. Five bucks for a poncho? You've got to be kidding me. And it didn't even have like the Dolphins logo on it. It was just like this green poncho. I'm like, no way. Well, I get inside. I'm like, if it rains, it rains. And well, it rained. And it rained in a way that it can only rain in Miami. And I mean, it rained like few people can understand. I would think that Noah is one of the few people that could understand how hard it rained. Because it rained, it rained that by the end of the first quarter, even, I was soaked even down to my socks. And then I thought, you know, I'm thinking about buying a poncho. <laughs> but you know what's weird is that the ponchos were double the price and they were sold out. And I thought, and it was this weird thing. Now, I understand that I'm comparing heaven to a wet football game. Uh, but, but, but here's the thing, here's the point. Is that when, um, what affects our ability to enjoy what's happening inside is what we do with what happens is the investments that we make outside and that's the same thing that happens when it comes to eternity our ability to enjoy eternity comes from the investments that that we send because as it's been said you can't take it with you but you can send it ahead and that's the thing that happens that when we do give we experience the blessing of that even in eternity now let me just to not be misunderstood because sometimes you hear that is he saying that by giving you may get into heaven i'm not saying that at all Heaven has nothing to do with money. Heaven has everything to do with Jesus, everything to do with the cross, everything to do with His resurrection, and everything to do with the fact that we put our faith in Him and we experience His forgiveness and the ability to enter into eternal life with Him. It has nothing to do with money or giving. But here's what I've learned, is that someone who really knows God can't help but give. You know why? And I'm not just talking about tithing. They just can't help but give when, when they see a need. They can't help but, but help. They can't. Why? Because God is a giver. The Bible says that God so loved the world that He did what? He gave His only Son. So someone who walks with God, who's becoming more like Him, who's walking with Jesus, who's seeking to reflect Him in their lives, can't help but become more of a giver because that's simply who God is. Well, here's what happens when He says to bring the whole tithe. And look at verse 11. He says, And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit uh, for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts, and all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Now here's the third one, and that is watch God work on your behalf. You know, I, I mentioned it earlier when I talked about um, the car that my wife drives, and that is um, 
you know, it, it's, I was talking to someone recently, we were driving somewhere, and I said, um, I said, you know, I'm not someone who's like looking for a good deal, uh, per se, on things. I'm looking for the God deal. And they say, like, that's kind of an interesting phrase. What do you mean by that? And I said, you know, it's kind of like when you see something and you're going to buy it and you just say, I just know that God's really in that. And, and, and they say, well, here's, what do I mean? What do you mean? And, and here's what, here's what I said. This shirt that I'm wearing right now, I got a lot of compliments on this shirt, by the way. I don't know if you like it or not. You can tell me later or write me a note. Uh, but, right. but so here's the thing. Um, now, this shirt, uh, when I first saw it, was 130 bucks at Banana Republic. Now, you can breathe easy. I did not pay 130 bucks for it. I say, what is this pastor doing? You know, um, you know, he's dealing drugs during the week or something. You know, I'm not. Uh, I've never even seen a drug in my life. But anyway, that's, see, now I'm digressing. Uh, but here's what happens. What happens is, is that I actually went into Banana Republic. I was in the mall one day, and I, I happened to be a fan of the store. And this is uh, part of what's called their Heritage Collection. Very nice line. And, uh, but once again, I digress. Um, so I see this shirt. I'm like, that is a really nice shirt. And then I saw it was 130 bucks, and I'm like, you know, I don't really like it as much as I did a moment ago. And um, because I just, I, I don't know, I, I have certain allergies, and one of them is I'm allergic to paying $130 for a shirt. And, um, and so what, what ends up, uh, so I just say, well, whatever, I'm just not going to pay that much for a shirt. I leave, like a month later, I'm back in the mall, and so I, I go into Banana Republic, and um, I see this shirt again, 40% off. And I'm like, well, it's getting closer. But once again, 40% off is still $78 for a shirt, which I still have an issue with. And so um, I, I leave again, and then I, uh, you know, we're walking around, and uh, Carrie and Mia, we're at uh, Pembroke Gardens right up the street, the little outdoor mall. And so Carrie and Mia are somewhere, and I'm with my son, Alexander, and we walk into Banana Republic, and I'll say, you know, Xander, let's see if it's got, they've got something for Poppy today. And, uh, and so we go in there, and I see the shirt again, and it's 48 bucks, And I'm like, now they're getting close. And there's only one shirt, this shirt, only one size, this size. This is the, the only shirt they have on their clearance rack. And I see it, and I'm holding it, and I'm like, 48 bucks, now we're getting close. I really like this shirt. And then, and then the guy comes up to me, the guy who had greeted me when I walked in. He's like, oh, I forgot to tell you um, that everything that's on the clearance rack is 40% off of the price. So this $130 shirt, I paid $26 for it. And uh, now, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'll be here all week. Tip your waitress as well. And, uh, but now, here's, here's why I tell you all this. Is that, now you might say, wow, that's like such an interesting coincidence. See, some people call it a coincidence. I just call it the blessed life. I just call it, this is, this is just what God does. The only shirt happens to be in my size. Happens to be at a price that I feel comfortable buy, buying it. You say, well, that's, in, yeah, but that's kind of a fluke. Well, let me tell you what happened about two days later. Two days later, um, I had something going on in my... Um, we, call, uh, we have a, you know, alarm in our house, and so I called uh, ADT because I was having a problem with my alarm. Uh, if you opened one window, uh, the alarm didn't go off. Now, once again, if you, have an, uh, if you have an alarm in your house, you know that's not a good thing. Um, it's like an invitation to criminals, as I like to call it. Um, and so, anyway, I called them, and then we wanted to actually add something to our system that make it a little better. And... Um, and so the way that ADT works, which is a very inefficient system, by the way, is that they send one person to install a new thing, and then they send someone else to repair the old thing. Now you say, well, why does stuff cost so much? It's because of bad systems like that. Well, anyway, uh, or, so, here's what ends up, so here's what takes place, 
is that uh, the new guy, the guy who shows up, uh, the first guy shows up is the guy who's going to sell me the new thing that I need. And I say, well, I want to get this new thing as well. You're going to need to buy this other thing. And so the whole thing turns out to be with the thing that I want to add and then this other like component that I need to get to get the thing that I want. He says, it's going to be like $409, which uh, after, you know, I, I stopped convulsing when he told me that. Um, I said, well, you know, I have a little bit of an issue and I, I will admit I do have powers of negotiation. And um, and so I began my negotiation tactics. Um, and so and I got that down to like I went from four nine to about two seventy five or something, three hundred dollars right around there. So I knocked about twenty five, thirty percent off of it. And then he left. I wrote him a check and he left and he was coming back later in the week uh, or the repair guy was coming. The installer was coming in later in the week. Well, about half an hour later. Um, the guy who's going to repair the thing that's broken comes in. And I tell him what's broken. He says, oh, yeah, I see what's going on. There's a wire that's broken. Well, here's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to install this other thing, um, and uh, that's what's going to make this repair that I'm going to do work, and it's going to upgrade your system. Well, here's what he didn't know. The repair that he's going to do, which, by the way, was free, is the same thing that I just paid 300 bucks for. So I say, you're, so you're going to do that? Yeah, okay. So you get started on that. I have a phone call to make. So I get the, phone, the card of the guy who just called me, and I said, hey, uh, his name is Joe. I said, Joe, how you doing? Uh, it's Bob. And he says, hey, how you doing? And I said, are you close by? And he said, yeah. I said, I need you to swing by my house. And he said, why? I said, I need to rip up the check that I just wrote you. And, uh, and so because the thing that was 400 that I knocked down to 300 now is going to cost me next to nothing. Why? And you say, well, how's that? That's the blessed life. And I'm just telling you that, listen, and, and, and I told you that, that like when it comes to um, the house that we live in, the cars that, that my wife and I drive, it's like we, we've paid like literally nickels on the dollar for so much of these things. And it's because, and, and you say, well, how does that happen? It's just because God has done it. And, and that's why, listen, and I tell you all of this not to tell you anything necessarily about me. I'm just using myself as an example of what God does in the life of a person who simply honors him with, with their finances. Because here's what he says. He says that he's going to rebuke the devourer. And by, by the way, these stories I'm telling you, they're just a couple weeks old. It's not like these are things that happened eight, nine years ago. This is the last, the last month of my life. But that's why he says he's going to rebuke the devourer. Here's what that means. That means that God is going to do for you things that you could never do for yourself. And that's how he illustrates it in verse 11. And you note, he says, I'll rebuke the devourer so that the, he, will, he will not destroy the fruit of the ground or the vine will not fail to bear fruit for you in the field. You see, in this culture, remember it's an agrarian culture, so here's what people did. They put seed in the ground, they worked the ground, they did the very best that they could to, to create the best conditions for crops to grow. But guess what? If there was no rain, you're done. There's nothing you could do. And so there was an understanding that they were dependent on God. And so the very same thing happened. You see, and the same thing is true for them is the same thing that's true for us. Listen, when a person obeys God in tithing, here's what happens. He has, God has the ability to make things happen. He has the ability to make things grow faster, to make things last longer than we ever could possibly imagine. In, uh, in your notes, in Deuteronomy chapter 29, here's what it says. During the 40 years that I led you through the wilderness, your clothes did not wear out, nor did the sandals on your feet. You ate no bread, drank no wine or other fermented drink. And I did this so that you might know that I am the Lord, your God. The children of Israel had been slaves in Egypt. They were freed through these miraculous signs and wonders. And then God was bringing them to the promised land. But you know what happened in those 40 years? The shoes that they had, they didn't wear out. 
The clothes on their back didn't get holes in them, and God every day fed them supernaturally with manna. The point is this. When you honor God, you give God that first 10% and you give it back to Him. Here's what God does. God has this ability to make tires last longer than they normally should. To make vacations cost less than they normally should. To make homes sell quicker than they normally do and have jobs pay more than they, than they currently do. And that begins when we put Him first, we give Him the tithe, and we give God back to Him what belongs to Him. But see, I can't make the same promise to the person who doesn't honor God who doesn't honor God with their finances because we can read the Bible all day long and you can be here for every service that that we have and join every single growth group that we have going. But we've got to take this step and trust God. And if we don't, we'll never really experience the blessed life. There's one section of this passage that I neglected because I wanted to cover it at the end. And it's what he says in verse 10. He says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, verse 10, and see if I will not throw open the windows of heaven, and you will pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be enough room to receive it. You know, there's only one place in the Bible where God says for us to test Him, and it's this area of finances. It's in this issue of tithing. And He says that if we will trust Him in tithing, that He'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that we won't be able to contain Him. And this is really where the rubber meets the road for all of us. And this is what I want to challenge you to do. This is kind of what we've been, um, you know, working towards in our, in our message today. There's some of you that you're already tithing, you're already honoring God with that first 10%. I want to talk to you in just a moment. But for those of us that aren't, listen, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is the opportunity that we have to say, God, I believe you, I trust you, and I'm taking that, that step. And this is what we call it here when we take the first step. We call it the 90-day tithe challenge. And the reason we call it that is because we say, take three months. Take three months and honor God with the tithe and watch God, what God can do. That God can do more with 90% that's blessed than 100% that we could do on our own that's cursed. And I'm telling you that I've watched over and over and over again, over the years that I've just seen people blessed over and over again as a result of them beginning to tithe. I actually have a file in my office of um, the stories that people send me. And, uh, and I keep them. And every time I get them, I, 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 one of the reasons I have people send them is because it just blesses me. It encourages my own faith and challenges me to be more generous. Um, but I just want to read you a couple that I've received just over the last um, 60 days or so. Let me read you this one. Uh, this is an email I got. It says, uh, uh, Dear Pastor Bob, I have to tell you, I grew up in a parochial school and no one uh, emphasized to me the importance of tithing. Um, I always gave a dollar when I went to church because that's what my parents always told me to do, but I never really understood why. Since I started taking the tithe challenge uh, this year, my income has increased. I no longer have to worry about a check not going through. And for some reason, um, money seems to last longer. I also feel at, at so much at ease knowing that the Lord has a grip on my financial situation. I've even encouraged my family and friends to begin tithing so that they can see what God has in store for them as well. Thank you for your teachings because they've brought me so much closer to God. That's one. Here's another that I got. It says, Dear Pastor Bob, um, I've been giving something at church for about a year, but I started tithing when I took the 90-day tithe challenge. And financially, I have been blessed with thousands extra this year, and it hasn't even been 90 days. You see, what I'm amazed in and what I'm praying is that I will put the money towards what God wants me to. Thank you again so much. 
and God bless you. That's another, and I'll read you this last one, just because I could be here all day with the stories people send me, but I'll give you three just to... Um, Dear Pastor Bob, Happy New Year. I hope all is well. The following is to inform you of my experience with the tithe challenge that I took a few weeks ago. I took this decision uh, and put it into practice, and I'm so thrilled with the outcome. I took the tithe challenge, and I must confess it's the greatest feeling ever. Even though I was experiencing many things in my life, um, I always gave my tithe. In December, I was surprised because my boss had given me the good news that they had raised my salary and I got a bonus this year. I was not expecting it because I had missed a few weeks for a surgery that I had, but I was also told that the time that I missed was not going to be counted against me either. Thank you so much. They sign their name and then P.S. they write, uh, I view life so much different now and my priorities are different. I'm so thankful to God for all the things in my life and I know that he has a purpose for me. You see, friends, I mean, I, I mean, I literally have a file of just story after story after story after story of what happens when people begin trusting God with their finances and then they begin to experience the blessed life. So here's what I, here's what I want to do. Um, you'll see on the connection card that you have, you have uh, on the back of your connection card that it says um, on the back, it says, take the 90 day tithe challenge. Now, here's what I want to encourage you to do, that you take the 90-day tithe challenge, but here's the commitment that we're making together. This is the covenant that you and I are making together. The first is this, is that you're making a decision that you're going to bring the tithe to the storehouse, to the church, during these 90 days, the full 10%, and then here's what's going to happen. And the other thing that you're going to promise to do for me is that you're going to email me the stories. When, you, when God begins to do His work and do what only He can do, you promise to email me the stories, just like the ones um, that, that you've read. And then here's what I want to do for you, because I want to partner with you on this decision. There's a book that I read several years ago that just um, revolutionized the way that I, I think of giving and um, the kind of blessed life that I've wanted to live and I, I, that I've been able to experience. Um, it's a book that's called The Treasure Principle. And um, if you check off that you're taking the 90-day tithe challenge and you put your information on the front, um, I'm going to make sure that our staff mails you one this week. And that's going to be my investment into your life um, as, you, as you start on this journey. Now, here's the thing. And if you want to take it a step further, let me just share with you what, um, what you can also do. If you see your offering envelope and you open it up, you'll see that you have the opportunity to actually make your giving automatic. And this is something that over the last couple of years, my wife and I have begun doing. And that is, uh, you can actually fill this out. You can put the frequency one time weekly, once a month, first of the month, 15th or first and 15th, whatever it is that, that you decide. And that's something that will happen now automatically without even thinking about it. My wife and I have started, have started doing that over the last couple of years. And let me tell you what it's done is that it doesn't matter if I go out of town. It doesn't matter if I forget my checkbook. It doesn't, none of those things matters anymore because it's all happening automatically. And what I told my wife, um, and, and I tell people now is the great thing about doing it automatically is that I don't have to worry about whether I've forgotten to obey God. In fact, I, I, I tell my wife this, I would rather have forgotten that I did obey God than actually forget to obey Him. And that's the great thing about automating my giving. And that's, the wonderful thing that it does. But the bottom line is this, is that where your treasure is, where my treasure is, there our heart will be also. So now let me just say this last thing. It's the last part of your outline. Um, 
There's three keys of giving that I've learned in walking with God now for almost 18 years. Um, and that is this, that there's what's called priority giving. And that is, um, that is that we give to God, we tithe before we give to anyone else. Um, because there's only five things that you can do with money. You either spend it, you pay taxes on it, you repay debt, save it, or give it. I mean, that's, those are the only five things that you can do. And we usually do it in that order. We spend it on what we want, give Uncle Sam his cut, pay Visa the minimum, save a little, and then say, God, I wish I had more that I could give. But the priority giver says this, God, you're number one in my life, and I'm going to give to you first because everything that I have comes from you. And I trust you above anything else. There's priority giving number two. There's what's called percentage giving. And that's what we've been talking about, tithing, that um, we've, we give God the first 10%. But once again, I like to call that the training wheels of giving because there's one other level that I've learned and that is number three, there's what's called progressive giving. And that is that we try to give a little bit more every year. Um, I was challenged by this about eight years ago from a friend um, when we were talking about things of a financial nature and he asked me what we were given and I said, oh, you know, we tithe. And, and he said, well, so you've been given the same 10%. How long you've been a Christian? I told him, well, you know, 10 years, and he says, so you're doing the same things now that you did 10 years ago? He says, what, what other thing? Are you doing ever, anything else the same now that you did 10 years ago? And, I, and it really made me think, like, God had blessed us. I mean, we were, we were tithing already, and sure, but, you know, we, we thought, what's the reason that God has blessed you is to be a blessing. And so we made this decision, my wife and I, that every year we were going to try to step up our giving. And so the next year we went from 10 to 11%. And the next year we went from 11 to 12. And every year we've tried to make this decision that we're going to give a little bit more than we did last year. And, um, and once again, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I've ever shared this publicly, but one of the, um, I didn't even share it in the first service, but um, one of the life goals that my wife and I have um, is to be able to live on 49% of our income. That, that's, that's our goal um, in, at some point in our lives so that we can honestly say that we're actually giving more than we're keeping. And, um, and, but the whole point is this, is that in our hearts, our decision was that we just wanted um, to give a little bit more. And you know what? We've been able to. And God has continued um, to bless us. And, and here's the thing. If you're, if you're tithing and God's blessing you, listen, that's great. But maybe God wants to challenge you to step up your giving. And it's not because, once again, God has a need. It's because He knows that the secret to capturing our hearts is found where our treasure is because where our treasure is there our heart will be also I'll tell you this and then I'm done I've been thinking about this all week um, most of you know the story of the Exodus right in, in, in the first few chapters of Exodus that um, the children of Israel were slaves in Egypt and that God calls Moses to go to Egypt to talk to Pharaoh let my people go and all that Pharaoh says no and then God begins to bring all of these plagues uh, uh, these curses onto the um, the the Egyptians. And by the way, every single one of the plagues was a reflection of the different gods that the Egyptians worshipped. And we'll talk about that some other time. And um, so what happened is, is that, but there's one plague in particular that I always find kind of fascinating. Because, you know, there's the, there's the, God takes the, the staff, he turns it into a snake. You've got to understand that. And then he takes the, Moses takes the rod, he puts it into the Nile, turns into blood. I get that. But then there's this other plague, what's called the plague of the frogs, if you're familiar with that, where God actually says, Moses says, let my people go. Pharaoh says, no. He says, all right, there's going to be frogs everywhere. 
And the Bible says that there was actually frogs inside of their kettles. They opened up to make their soup and frogs were jumping out. In fact, it even says that there, there was frogs in so many places that when the Egyptians went to bed, there were frogs even under the covers. Now, I want you to think about this. Imagine waking up in the middle of the night and something's kind of rubbing up against your leg and you're like, hey, what's up with that? And then you look and it's not your spouse, it's a frog. That's just one. Imagine if you woke up and you opened up the covers and there was like a dozen frogs. In you. That's probably when the screaming would start, right? And, um, and so then the frogs get so bad that Pharaoh finds Moses and he says, what is this? And he says, thus, and Moses says, for thus saith the Lord, let my people go. And he says, well, make the, make the frogs stop. And he says, well, let my people go. And then Pharaoh says what I believe is probably the most bizarre statement I've ever heard. Uh, and it's certainly, to me, one of the weirder statements in the Bible. As you know, uh, Moses says, let my people go, and then the frogs will go away. And here's what, here's what Pharaoh says. Okay, tomorrow. It's as if he's like, just give me one more night with the frogs and then I'll be ready. And uh, it's the weirdest thing. And, and, and can, I, can I tell you this? Um, some of us have been disobeying God for so long and robbing God of the tithe for so long. And, and listen, we're experiencing the curse. I mean, we're living the curse. And it's like your stuff is breaking all the time and you never have enough and you're worried about money and you're going to, to bed stressed about money and there's all this stuff you wish you could do but you can't do. And, and, it's, and, and listen, and, and, and here's what we're doing. And, and, and we hear a message like this and we say, well, how well, maybe some other time. And we're like Pharaoh. And we're just saying, well, let me just have one more night with the frogs. Well, listen, how about we just stop living a cursed life? How about we start honoring God and, and living a blessed life? Because if God can deal with the big stuff like eternity and forgiveness and heaven and all that, then maybe he can deal with something simple like money. And instead of living like Pharaoh who had a life that was cursed, we could live in such a way where God is able to bless us in a way that we could never do for ourselves. Because I will tell you this and I'm living proof of this. And there's many people in this room uh, that, that call this church home that will tell you the same thing, is that this way, the blessed life, the life of honoring God and watching Him take the 90 to go much farther than the 100 ever could, that's the best and the most blessed way to live. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank You so much. We thank You that when, you, when we honor You, then You honor us. We thank you that you um, use finances to draw our hearts because you know that where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. I thank you that you don't just leave us, but instead you do whatever it takes to draw us back, draw us back to you, to draw us back to your heart. So Lord, each of us here, draw us closer to you. May this be a time when we get serious about honoring you that we might really and truly experience this life of blessing that you talk about. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.